everyone welcome back to the kicks and picks podcast coach steve here with nick and scotty it's been a couple weeks since we recorded uh we had some hiccups the past couple weeks but we're back hopefully with some winners for you guys and uh we're here to also to preview a big match this weekend in Serie A uh, with inter milan hosting as roma so we'll get into that later as well but first it's gonna be our studs and duds but before we get to that guys how you, how you doing on the bet sheets these past couple weeks without uh recording i mean i've I could not be any colder, which is great news for the listeners, because when I give you my hat trick of picks, just fade them. And I pick pretty much all favorites. So you're going to get plus money on the reverse side of these bets. So uh, pay attention to that at the end of the episode. If you want to make money, just go against whatever I'm picking, because I don't think I want to bet in three weeks. Sound strategy for the listeners. And I'm pretty much the opposite right now, guys. I'm hot. I'm seeing the board clearly, as, they, as I like to say. Um, actually five and oh today, two of those picks were soccer. The other three were baseball, but irrelevant to this conversation. But fact of the matter is, I think on the last published episode, I was three and oh, so I'm carrying that soccer momentum into the future for you guys. I think for me, it's just a little bit of like life karma where, you know, my Liverpool is just doing so well that it would not be fair for me to also be on a hot street gambling. Like it's just, that can't be allowed. So maybe if Liverpool were to start losing games, I'd start to pick up in the, uh, the bet sheet. I mean, could happen. Uh, do or you want it to happen is the question. I said, or the, or I could just like I've, I've, I said never do this, but I could just start betting on Liverpool, and then there you both, go. I both of my fates are tied within one, one man. Game. Nothing better than a win <laughs> in that scenario. Nothing, nothing worse than a loss. Nothing, which is I've, always what happens. <laughs> I've experienced both ends this season. So with Roma, it's it's fun when they win. It's not fun when they lose. And then when like this week, I had them draw no bet at Napoli. I just. Ended up won with, that game. Uh, yeah, they should have won, but we'll get into that. But yeah. coach, give a, give us, give us a lay of the land, man. How have you been faring? Um, baseball actually has been pretty good to open the season. I hit a nice little five team parlay the other day to build up some capital in one of my accounts. And, and I even got a couple $20 free bets with it to play with. So that's even more fun. And one of those I turned into a winner, which I'll talk about in my studs and duds, but the Roma one I just mentioned was a push. So I'm debating where to throw that, you know, on a, maybe a nice underdog somewhere, try to, get some free money somewhere. I know. All right. So what the listeners need to know is that means coach is feeling good and he's about to massage these winners for you guys. Sure. Hope so. I like it. All right. So before we get into our winners, let's go to our studs and duds. Scotty, uh, what do you, what do you got for us? Yeah. I mean, I think my stud, sorry, Nick, because I know this guy costs you some money, but it's <sighs> got to be Bruno Guimaraes from Newcastle. We talked yeah. about Newcastle a bit in the podcast over the past few months and how a lot of their resurgence has come from, you know, existing players. Uh, it's just been Eddie Howe's setup that's kind of, you know, reversed their fate a bit. But Bruno Gomares is probably the biggest name that came in in that January transfer window and had his probably his best game against Leicester this weekend. Sure did. Uh, scored two goals, including a, a 95th minute, I think, winner, a header on a counterattack uh, that sank Nick's double chance Leicester City bet. So sure did. To me, I think he's got to be the uh, my stud of the week. I uh, will say that I did call that a trap line. I was not uh, really feeling Lester, but the, the odds were just too good on a double chance. And they held Newcastle for night. I mean, if you, you can't even script this counterattack, it was like, you knew it was the last chance of the game. All you had to do was get a body in front of somebody. And all of a sudden the ball is ricocheting off of defenders and, Oh wait! All of a sudden, a wide open diving header into an empty net. Sure, yeah, it was happens. it was a hundred percent like Lester was hoping the whistle would do the defending for them. They just thought yes. the game was going to be over and they didn't have to really do much, and it just never came. And then it was too late. 
So start of my week. So the week. Are they up to? Are they in the top half of the table now? They're into who? Newcastle or close to it? Uh, I don't know. They they started pretty bad. Uh, I I think they're up there. They might be mid table now, which is about as best I can say. Eleventh uh, place. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's the team that was in the relegation zone when we started this podcast. Yes, yeah. they were. Yeah. So. Now just uh, fourteen points behind Manchester United. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> now a hell of a turnaround. Speaking of Manchester United, my dud of the week is I think the now leader in the clubhouse for dud of the season. Sorry, Nick and, and you know Messi. Uh, it's got it's got to be Harry Maguire because he just con- he, he's just continuously horrible. Like not just like bad, but like continuously like at fault for goals, and it happened again uh, against the worst offense in the league, Norwich City. Uh, United had a two zero lead. Figured that would be an easy win for them, uh, which they quickly conceded. Uh, one of which was one hundred percent Maguire's fault. He was tracking a runner that was not his man whatsoever. Left a huge gap in. Uh, in the center of the pitch. And then Norwich exploited that for a really easy goal. Uh, and then to add injury to insult, I guess, in this case, uh, on a corner kick uh, that he was defending, uh, he somehow managed to kick Paul Pogba in the back of the head. Uh, Paul Pogba standing up fully upright. So the boot came up pretty high and sliced Pogba's head open right behind his ear, <laughs> which was a pretty rough sight. So, I mean, he can't do anything right right now uh, against uh, Liverpool this week. He was at fault for at least two of the four goals directly. He's just been horrible. Uh, doesn't handle the media well either. Keeps kind of doubling down on him not being bad, which is a, an odd take to have in this current form. But uh, I think at this point, not only is he the dud of the week, I think he has to be the dud of the season. I, I'm not ready to crown that yet, but I'll say another week or two like that and and we'll give him the title. I can agree with that. I think just based on for the money spent in the prime of his career, it has to be the worst signing maybe ever. 95.7 million U.S. dollars. I'm on transfer market right now. Could have had had any of City's (laughs) defenders that they overpaid for. Yeah. Could have had anybody. That's five. I think it was five million pounds more than Virgil Van Dyke. Like the transfer window after Liverpool got Van Dyke, it was Nuts. bananas. So I, I guess for value, I can kind of give it to you. We'll we'll settle that at the end of the year, but definitely yeah. neck and neck with Messi. Yeah, and his week got worse today, guys. I just was as I googled his transfer fee from uh, Leicester to United. Today, uh, just a couple hours ago, Manchester United captain Harry Maguire targeted with bomb threat. They had to search the family home, have the police there. Not that I condone those kind of things, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the week is just getting worse for Harry Maguire. There's there's a petition that was generating a lot of signatures to strip Harry Maguire of his captaincy from Manchester United. So Man. it's all, all falling apart for Harry. That's rough. Yeah. So from one center back whose star has fallen, you know, plummeted, Nick, to, to one who's on the rise, well, who's your stud this week? Man, this guy, Bramer, at Torino is playing out of his mind right now. Um, you know, good, another good week for him he, against Lazio. He kept Chido and Mobile pretty much in check. Um, you know, goal at the end of the game, that wasn't his fault. But definitely getting notoriety for doing it against the big teams in Italy all year long. All year long. Um, He's not going to be at Torino after this year. I think we could all pretty much agree with that. So I saw a Spurs link today. Uh, him under Antonio Conte would be an ideal fit over yeah, there. Yeah, and it seems to me that he could play in a three- or four-man defense, so um, they'll be cashing in for sure. Another really solid performance for 94 minutes. Yeah, no question. And then my dud, um, you know, I hate to do it week after week, but we have <laughs> to go back to Juventus. They are the 
stud. They needed a super bailout, including two red cards against a bottom of the table, you know, bottom half of the table Bologna team. Uh, 95th minute to get a goal and to get a draw. They just cannot be bet on. They are still banned from the bet slip. We had a couple of friends of the podcast who bet on them, and we tried to advise them not to, but they didn't listen. Um, and quite honestly, top four may be slipping away if they continue like this. It's pretty impressive that they continue to get the Ronaldo bailouts, even when Ronaldo is no longer with the team. So I think that's something to consider when you when you acquire I mean, a player such as Ronaldo. Was- I only watched like the last 20 minutes or so of that game, I think, because I saw they were down. I'm like, oh shit, Bologna might pull this off with your boy Arnautovic with the, the goal oh, to put Bologna. Ever since oh, I trashed that dude, yeah. man. He's, He's been, been killing it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I put it on because I, I obviously now have vested interest in what they do with Roma on their tail a little bit. And I'm like, oh, they might actually drop all three points and then double red card uh, literally within seconds for Bologna. One guy got the red card, straight red for a tackle right at the edge of the box. <laughs> Gary Medell gets two yellow cards for protesting, like literally bing, bang, and then he was boom off the pitch, and then Juve, nice goal to, to cap it. I, I will say Morata bicycled it, and I think Vlaovic headed it home, but yeah. Yeah. Um, there was two two left defenders in the field to, to mark right. Vlaovic and these guys, so I mean. Yeah, no, no way is Morata open like that if yeah. there's defenders on the field, yeah. right? So. Brutal for Juve. Um, as a team, they deserved it. And coach, it looks to me like you've got a couple teams that you want to shout out as well. Yeah. So I'm not going to call Adelante my dud because I have a different dud, but I'm going to highlight the team that beat them, uh, which is Hellas Verona 2 1 win at uh, Adelante's home stadium. We've talked about how bad Adelante has been at home this year. Uh, Bergamo, it has not been kind. It's uh, really terrible. And this was the team, Hellas, that came through with for one of my. Uh, free bets that I threw on them this week. They were like plus 200, draw no bet. I said to Nick, uh, this was a Monday match. I said, you know what? I have a really good feeling about Hellas. I'm going to yeah. do the draw no bet, give myself a little protection. I should have gone money line, like plus three something. Plus 360, because, I think. Yeah, they were. because yeah. I would hit even bigger. But they uh, they took it to Atalanta, and they've had a, a knack for winning some big matches this season. They've been pretty good. And, and um, I'll tell you what, they weathered results. a little bit of the storm for some of that game, but for – 75 of the 90 minutes, 70 of the 90 minutes, they outplayed Adelanta. They could have won this game by a larger margin, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. Also, to call back a, an earlier movement that we started back in January, you, there been a more prescient hashtag movement than Adelanta hashtag Sarah B. I see yeah. them all the way down in eighth place now, just That's three points above Verona. That's, That's unbelievable. Fact. Yeah, Verona actually could catch Adelanta. They got a couple yeah. of results their way to close out the season. Uh, Igor Tudor have to give him a lot of credit for what he's done with them. Yeah. When they he, fired Eusebio Di Francesco, I think he was only two or three matches in with no points. They just went on a tear after that. And then you know, yeah. they've been a top half table ever uh, and since. Simeone hasn't even been scoring lately. No. That's the thing. Like he no. started out like he was leading the league for, I don't know, 10 weeks or so. And yeah. he hasn't done shit lately. But shout out, Scotty. Definitely started that Serie B hashtag Serie B movement. And we are carrying that torch forward. Yeah. yeah. And Man, there were a lot of choices for dud of the week this week, especially after the midweek matches in, in the Premier League since we're recording on Thursday. I mean, Chelsea was certainly a candidate after they got hammered by Arsenal, but no, no bigger dud for me than Spurs. Shut out at home by Brighton, one nothing. They did not have a shot on goal in that match. Uh, it lets Arsenal back into the Champions League race after Arsenal did come through with the big win at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday. Now they're level on matches played, level Deadlock. on points. That North Every- London Derby will be a big one uh, in a few weeks. 
every yes. time Spurs has a chance to like yeah. give themselves a little bit of distance, they just shit the bed. It's just it, nobody wants that that fourth spot. It's crazy. It, it I mean, Arsenal dealing with now with a little bit of an injury issue. Uh, you know, they lost Thomas Partey, so their midfield is going to be pretty weak moving forward. But it is crazy that neither team can really just take a firm hold on it. And even like Chelsea, like they were pretty easily in third place this whole time, and I think they're still pretty safe, but. Only five points ahead of Tottenham and Chuck and, and Arsenal right now. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could drop out as well. It definitely deserved out of the week. So this week, the big match uh, we're going to highlight is in Italy, and it's uh, a big one in in the San Siro. It's Inter Milan hosting AS Roma, my team. So I'm going to handle most of this preview, being that I have a stake in this game. But uh, if you want to know what's at stake, Nick, tell me what's at stake. Yeah, it's a huge game. Uh, everything's at stake, quite honestly. It's it's an insanely tight race for Europe by all teams and that, you know, one through eight. Um, so what that means for Inter is they can go top of the table with a win. So they are two points back of the league lead. They do have a game in hand on Milan. Uh, that'll be next week, if I'm not mistaken, midweek or something like that. But Yeah, midweek. Either way, um, you know, a win in this game puts them top of the table. And then you have Roma, who's making a last-minute push for fourth place in the Champions League spot. you got to give them a ton of credit. Um, and, and speaking about how close the race is, a loss could actually send them out of the top six and would be missing Europe altogether if the league ended today. So insanely, insanely tight race for Europe and Italy right now. Yeah, it's uh, big time. Inter, you know, was title favorites for a while. Them and Milan have been going back and forth now. They do have that match in hand that Nick mentioned on Wednesday, which still puts them in the driver's seat if they win out to, to win the title because they, they're only two back uh, with that match in hand. Inter, last uh, five overall, four wins, one draw, three wins, two draws, their last five in the league. Uh, the other match, the win was a big one this past Wednesday against rivals AC Milan, unfortunately. It was a Coppa Italia, so it doesn't do anything for them in the table, but they advanced to the final of that competition ahead of their bitter rivals. Uh, they've only conceded two goals in their last five matches, which is big because, you know, they started the year as the best defense in the league. They tailed off, and now they're back. I think the second we mentioned that, like, I, I think we called it out in one of our previews, and I think I took them, like, oh, yeah. they're going to, you know, win this game to zero or some shit like that, and then they yeah. just fell apart on D. I think that's the Milan derby that we called that out. Yes, it was. Absolutely right. Yeah, Roma, on the other hand, 3-1-1 one, and one in their last five co- overall in all competitions. The, the one loss was in the Conference League first leg to Bodo Glimt. Uh, Roma exercised those demons after Bodo gave them a hell of a hard time in a few matches this year. It was uh, Nicolo Zaniolo hat-trick Gosh. last Thursday to advance to the uh, Conference League semifinals against Leicester City, so that'll be an interesting match. And we will um, not be previewing that matchup, guys. Sorry, no, there will sorry. be no episode on that. Can't, can't bet on it in some states either. It's a third-tier competition. So, But uh, overall, Roma unbeaten in their last 12 in the league. Um, coming off the draw against Napoli the last time out, Nick referenced it. Roma really should have won that match if you go on the, the way the, the play. Dominated you know, the game. Dominated the game. It was a, a penalty kick in the 10th minute that put Napoli up one nothing. Roma had to get a late, late tying goal from a Stefan El Shari, but they really could have had two or three other goals and really – Really put the pressure on Juve. And, yeah, uh, hit a couple posts. I think your boy Banez. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. He tackled somebody in the box. Yeah, Lozano. Uh, I know Scott has given a lot of shit to Chris Smalling this year. Oh. So early on, he was atrocious. 
But for my money, Ibanez has actually been worse than Smalling over the course of the season. And, and actually, if you watch Rome on a week-to-week basis, Chris Smalling is actually crucial to how they've been undefeated <laughs> in their last 12. There, In fact, Roma's XG in this 12-match unbeaten streak, oh, this, was the first, XG. this was the first match where they had an XG over one, and uh, I think point like seven of that was the penalty kick. So the, the defense has improved a lot, and it's also because of the midfield, which I'll get into in a couple minutes. But uh nick why don't you do the inter players to watch who are you looking at on the inter side yeah there's a couple guys i think um otaro martinez has to be number one uh, because he went through an incredible dry spell that pretty much echoed inter's form right for the time being uh and he ended that in a big way in the Coppa italia against milan scored two goals so the real question is which lotaro shows up is it the guy that couldn't sniff a goal for the past month and a half or is it the guy that scored two in like 10 minutes uh, yeah, this I mean, past weekend? It's, it, to me, it's kind of interesting. I, I've always kind of thought of Latoro Martinez as a guy that can kind of create his own shot and get, get goals, you know, without much, you know, service from, from the midfield. But I think as I've seen the season, and especially in the Champions League, I've noticed he really does depend on the quality of the buildup behind him. He's not quite at that level where he can just like have a magic moment, like some of these other wingers or forwards that you see in, in Definitely some not. of the big leagues. But I mean, he did, he did have that great goal uh, against Liverpool. It's just, you know, off of nothing. He had a shot from outside the box that found the way to the top corner. So he does have quality, but it's not consistent enough to be, you know, one of those top level, you know, producers, you know, unless he has the, you know, the service from Perisic or um, even like a, a good link up with Jekko. Um, so I, I think that has to be improved in order for him to really get on the yeah, score sheet. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And it's been kind of... Um... You know, it's the way they started the year, right? They load that midfield up. We'll talk about the midfield in a second. But, uh, you know, when they got five guys in the midfield, two wingers coming at you every which way, and guys like Badella in the midfield, you know, they're crossing balls. They're making link-up plays, and Lotaro is feasting. And yeah. um, to your point, you know, is he going to do it on his own? Probably not. Um, it, but that's true with a lot of great strikers. Yeah. And um, I think he misses playing off of Lukaku a bit. We've talked about Lukaku's struggles at Chelsea. I mean – would you rather play off Lukaku at this point in his career or Jekko, right? Oh, no doubt. A hold-up no play doubt. and running off of that uh, certainly probably misses it. No, that's a great point for sure. And then the other guy I'm, I'm looking at to make a difference one way or the other is uh, the goalie, Handanovic. Uh, I think at times he's shown his age. He's got to be 35, 36, 40. I don't know. He, he's definitely up there. He's been on Inter what feels like forever. Yeah, he's been there um, but he's also had some vintage performances the last few times out, uh, especially in the Coppa Italia against Milan. I mean, they, Milan could have scored two or three goals easily, and he made some goal-stopping saves. So is he the difference maker or is he a bystander? Um, it's it's going to be one to look out for either which way. Yeah, on the Roma side, I mean, the key man has to be Tammy Abraham. The, the striker came over from Chelsea, $40 million. $100 million dollar man. Hey, he might be one one day soon if he keeps up this rate, right? Came over for 40, 45 million with uh, bonuses, I believe, euros. And uh, he's been everything and more that Roma could ask for as a replacement for Ed. And Dzeko has quickly erased Dzeko from the minds of Roma fans. I mean, this this guy now has, I think, 24 in all competitions, 15 in the league. He leads the conference league in goals in that competition. And uh, he's, I believe, third in Serie A right now, level with Simeone. And like it, only like two of those are penalty kicks. So he's a guy that does most of his work in the run of play. He's not one of those guys who, you know, feasts from the spot and pads his stats. He did miss the first meeting between these two teams in the league way back. And I believe it was October. He was either uh, suspended or injured for that match. 
Roma certainly missed him. Uh, Roma struggled. That was probably one of Roma's worst performances of the season. Um, you know, they've, they've stayed in most matches with big teams this year. That was the one where they were really just kind of run off the pitch. They also played in the Coppa Italia back in uh, January. Shut out in both those matches. So Tammy will be key. And here's a stat for you about Tammy. He's a guy who has been doing his, his work uh, in big matches for Roma this season. His past six games against uh, teams from the top eight. So Inter, Milan, uh, Juve, Napoli, Atalanta, Lazio, and Fiorentina is who you're talking about there besides Roma in the top eight. Uh, brace against Atalanta in December, goal against Milan, goal against Juve, goal against Atalanta, brace against Lazio in the Derby della Capitale. And then this, this past week, the assist, a nice uh, flick on for El Serrari to tie that match. So he's been doing his job when it matters most for Roma. So he will be key. Um, the other guy who will be key for Roma. Coach, you didn't even tell them what you say when he scores. Tammy two time or no Tammy time. Tammy time. Tammy time. Yeah, the other guy on our site calls him Tammy two times because he's had quite a few braces this year, but I like to call it Tammy time when he scores. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we have our newborn son and my wife, you know, you got to give him tummy time to strengthen his neck. So I call it Tammy time. She doesn't appreciate it. She thinks he's going to get confused, but that's what I call it. So, you know. Uh, well, yeah, Tammy won't be on Roman for yeah. any longer. So definitely confuse him. Um, the other guy I'm going yeah. I'm looking at Henrik Mkhitaryan. Uh, Mkhitaryan Ooh. has shifted – his position under Mourinho. It's been a, a big reason for Roma's resurgence in this 12 match streak. They opened the calendar year 2022 with a, a loss to Milan three, one. And then right after that was that match that we, we talked about, you know, a couple months ago where they blew a three, one lead to Juve humiliating defeat. You thought everything would go off the rails. And after that, it all changed because Roma brought in Sergio Oliveira into the midfield with Cristante. It allowed Mkhitaryan to play a little bit of a different role. He's no longer playing the wing attacking midfield role he was playing um, in the past year and a half or so at Roma. He's playing more of a regista role where he's the guy who's kind of dictating play from the midfield. He leads the team in, in recoveries, which is not something you would expect from him. I mean, Scott, did you watch him in the premier league? What was his reputation in the premier league? Yeah. I mean, he's mostly a creative winger. That was like a poor man's Ozil. <laughs> That's kind of how I would describe Trash. it. <laughs> yeah. And he's completely transformed. And, and with his transformation, Roma's transformed and, We'll talk about the midfield matchup in a second, but for Roma to have a shot in this, they're going to have to win some of those balls in the midfield. And he's a guy that in one of the matches, I forget which match it was, there was a match in this streak where he had like 12 loose ball recoveries himself. And it it led the team. It was like a fourth of what Roma had as a team. So what he has been doing both ways in the midfield could be key in helping the set up the counterattack, spring a counterattack, play balls to Pellegrini and Abraham, because they will be without Zaniolo. So, Pellegrini is going to have to have a little more of a, an attacking role and a little less of a maybe three Cortista role in this one. He'll have to support Abraham a little bit more and Mkhitaryan could be key there. All right. I do, so as I say, I do got to give coach credit. I'm looking at our notes here and there was an attempt to spell Mkhitaryan. I don't think it was correct, but there was an attempt. I'm pretty sure there's an H in there at some point. Uh, there's an H, there's an I. It's, it's not a very phonetic name. It took me a while and a lot of Roma articles to uh, get that one down and memorized. <laughs> All right, so looking at the players to watch are there. What are the other key questions going into this game? What should we expect while watching it? I mean, I think the coaching battle is key, right? Mourinho, he was under a heavy criticism early in the year. Rough start. Uh, his, you know, oh, he's washed. He's a dinosaur tactically, this, that, and the other thing. It, it, was, it all seems now to be a method to his madness because after the Bodo debacle, he you know, ran a couple players out of the squad. He really found out who his guys are. You see guys like Jordan Vertu playing a lot less. You see VR's off the team. Myral's off the team. 
And he relies on really 13, 14 guys at this point that he knows have, he's built up the mental side of the game where Roma has really struggled uh, in past years in big matches and in falling behind in matches. So I'm curious to see how he game plans. He has actually been a bit, you know, adaptable this season. You know, he's known for his four, two, three, one. He saw Roma couldn't play that with the personnel they had. They were missing that defensive midfielder. He's shifted to a three, some matches, three, four, one, two, when Zaniolo's there. This match, I expect more of a either a three, four, two, one with Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini behind Abraham, or maybe a little more of a three, uh, five, one, one, even if they want to play a little more defensive, a little heavier in the midfield. Um, but some variation of that is where he's going to look to probably sit back, absorb pressure and spring on the counterattack, especially on the road against Inter. Inter to me is the one team that probably is man for man, clearly better than everybody in the league. If you look at their roster, especially in their depth, uh, besides their starting 11. So he knows they're going to be outgunned for the most part. I think he's going to try to defend and you know, we're going to see what Inzaghi's all about, right? He's a guy who did well at Lazio, Nick can tell you. Uh, but now is he is he above his weight, so to speak? Is Can yeah. he get them over the hump and pick up where Conte left off? Because he plays his, you know, 3-4, what does he play? 3-4-3 three, three for the most, or 3-4, what would you say? It's basically like a 3-5-2. 3-5-2, yeah. Um, so I would say. But it, yeah, he's the issue there is just he's just so stubborn, right? And I don't mean in terms of player selection. I think that you mentioned it, coach. He has the luxury of swapping in guys here and there um, that can start on most teams. He just doesn't seem to adapt his tactics if yeah. they go cold. And we saw that, you know, they could have run away with this league. Um, yeah, they should have. Months ago. Yeah, they, right? they, they, they could have a 10, 12, 15 point cushion at this point. And they didn't do that. And they just never really deviated from the game plan. And when things weren't working and when to Scotty's point, Lotaro wasn't getting the service that he needed to score goals. Um, this team kind of stalled out and that's, that's been Inzaghi's MO with Lazio, right? He took that team as, as far as he as far could, as could yeah. with the players they had. He had some great seasons. Don't get me wrong, but you're also relying on a striker who scored 30 goals, you know, three years in a row. Um, it's only going to get you so far. And, and that's kind of, what I'm looking for from him is, is it going to be more of the same? And if that's the case, you definitely give the edge to Mourinho or is he going to pull out a surprise and hit us with different tactics for this game, hit us with a different formation, start somebody that we didn't think was going to start and they make an impact. Those are the things you look for from a coach who's going to win the league. And I just don't know if Inzaghi has it. Yeah. And the thing I'm looking at too, from a Roman perspective, both times they've played into this season, they've given up a goal fairly early. The, the Copa Italia match was the second minute Jekyll scored. So that conditions how you have to approach the match. And I think uh, Chalanoglu scored, I think it was like the 15th minute the first time they played off a direct corner, kind of just fooled everyone, including Rui Patricio in goal. And then the game plan goes out the window, right? And in that match, Roma was out with, was without Tammy Abraham, was without Rick, Car- uh, Rick Carsdorp at right wing back, who's been very good this year. And you were playing Roger Ibanez as pretty much a, a right wing back. Uh, so you're basically playing four center backs. So Mourinho, his hands were kind of tied in that matchup. So I'm curious to see how he approaches it based on the way he's approached a lot of big matches. I do expect sit back, absorb some pressure, counterattack, try to get Tammy out in the break, try to get a goal that way. Um, get Zalewski and Karsdorp running on the wings and, and see what they can do and, and try to hold out as long as you can and then, and see where it goes from there. But if Inter gets that early goal, then it, it kind of conditions how the match goes. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The other place to look is the midfield. I referenced Mkhitaryan. 
Roma's midfield early in the season was getting overrun. And a lot of the pressure on the defense early in the season was because of the midfield. You know, the guys like to trash Chris Smalling and, you know, make fun of him. But when you're getting overrun with, with guys running down your throat all match, He's not the hard. quickest to begin with. Yeah, he's not the quickest. <laughs> or you know. the youngest. Yeah. And, and it puts a lot of pressure on the back line. The back line has been much better. Roma, like I said, the, the XG has been very low in this 12-match win streak. A lot because the midfield has been improved. Oliveira's helped improve the midfield. Uh, Brian Cristante gets a lot of gets a lot of crap, but he has been decent in my opinion. He is very good at playing those long balls over the top on the break. That's where he excels. Um, so you know, if Roma can w- win the midfield battle, he might be the guy to be able to spring Tammy over the top, something like that. But Inter strength is in their midfield, in my Definitely. opinion. Uh, yep. Bro- Brozovic playing the Regista role, sitting back that more defensive role, kind of the Georgina role for this team. Sits back, cleans up the mess, can distribute from the deep lying midfield Barella, you know, is probably thought of as the best all around midfielder in Serie A. He won the award last season. Uh, hasn't been as good this season. I think he's, there, there you I, go. I was going to pause to Scott. Cause I know Scott's got comments on that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think he's literally been overworked. I think is what it comes down to, but no, no yeah, doubt. I, what do you, what do you have to say about Barella? No, I mean, I think, I think there was a lot of hype with, with him, especially as coming into like the Liverpool Inter matchup and, and him being suspended. But, you know, to be honest, I don't think Inter really missed him. I don't think they at least, at least it didn't seem like they missed a step when with him out of the lineup against Liverpool. Um, I mean, obviously we saw how well Inter played against Liverpool versus someone like Milan who, who got smacked by Liverpool in the group stages. So I, I think just from that context, I think Barilla was a little bit overhyped, just at least in terms of like his importance to the team, because it seems at least with the depth that they have, they're able to kind of cover him when he's out or missing games pretty easily. He doesn't seem like he's this like irreplaceable type of player that um, a lot of teams have, where if he misses, you know, a month and a half, then that's like their, you know, that's the end of their, their race for whatever champions league or, or the title. So I think that's well put. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that because, you know, the game that you watch a big game like this, some of the games against Milan, you're looking for, you know, this, this is a guy that you said, coach, many are saying world-class, right? He's the best midfielder in the league. Well, talent wise. And from a, what can he do on the pitch perspective? He can do it all. So yeah, he's a box to box guy. That's not far off, right? He can defend, he can distribute, he can do whatever you need a midfielder to do. He can score goals, but Every big game I've watched this year, I'm, I'm waiting for him to do something spectacular, and I just don't see it. Yeah. So is this going to be one of those games? Or I'm going to bite gonna... my tongue as I say this because I, I hope it's not this week, but he has been un- underwhelming this season uh, for a lot of the season. And I agree. He's definitely underworked for all the depth uh, – under excuse me, um, overworked from all the depth that they have. He seems to be playing every single game in the middle of the park. Give the guy a fucking rest. Yeah. Um, but th- I don't know. Th- this is the game for me where – you know, it, it's almost going to make or break the perception of his season. If he yeah. has a standout game, okay. If he doesn't, man, I don't know. Where, where do we go from here? And when you're talking about, like, best midfielder in your respective leagues, right, you look at some of the other leagues, like when you're looking at, you know, EPL, you're looking – you're talking maybe like a Kevin De Bruyne or, or a goal like Conte who when they – you know, big games come up, like they take over the match. Like it's De Bruyne that's creating everything for Manchester City and, you know, at times scoring their only goals when they're playing against a, a top tier Champions League opponent. And Conte is one controlling the midfield for Chelsea when they really need it against some of their big matchups in the Premier League. Or if you're looking into La Liga, somebody like uh, Luka Modric, who, you know, Nick and I recorded the, the Champions League semifinal podcasts, even at his age, he's the one that's driving that Real yeah. mid- midfield through the semifinals, potentially into the finals of the Champions League. So, you can see them taking over games and controlling them and asserting their will 
where I don't necessarily see that from Barella, especially if he is this, you know, the best midfielder in, in, in Serie A. So I'm going to throw some numbers at So I looked it up just because I was curious as to how his numbers look this year, because the eye test at times hasn't been the best for him. He actually has three goals and nine assists in 30 matches, 2,500 minutes. Yeah. Very good. And if sure. you go through his more like advanced statistics and you know, FB reference, will compare it to the top five leagues versus midfielders in the top five leagues over the last calendar year, 365 days. He's in the 90th percentile or better in total shots, assists, expected assists, um, progressive what about the carries. XG? What is XG? XG. Uh, Non-penalty XG is actually in the 89th percentile. Uh, We could have given him that. Nobody was going to call us out on that. Completes 83.8% of his passes, which actually is one of his lower rated statistics. Uh, You know what he does well is receive progressive passes of, I think it's 10 or more yards. He's five a match, 95th percentile. So he finds those open spaces and helps move move the attack. Uh, Things that don't really go into the standards it's more of the two it's the things that you both said it's the eye test and it's the takeover match and yeah you know maybe inter doesn't need him to take over a match the way some of those other examples scott gave were but you know i'd like to see it i guess is the point i'm trying to make once this year when we have a game that we focus on and people are listening and everybody's going to watch this game if you're watching one game in italy this week this is the one I'd like to see him just yeah. be the guy. And, and maybe the question we talk about Lautaro's impact with him losing Lukaku to play off of, maybe that's the same impact to Barella where he's feeding, yeah. you know, Jekko instead of a player like Lukaku. So no, that could have true. impact too. That yeah, doesn't help. Actually leads a team in a system shocked in league play. Actually has one more than Chalonoglu, who's their, their chief creator. Yeah. Well, either way, I think it's going to be an outstanding game. There's a lot to look for. Um, but let's get down to the crux of, of why you guys are here. What are the odds for this game? So if we're looking at the money line, Inter, big favorite in this game, believe it or not. Um, I, I think odds makers are just banking on they need this team to win the league, to, to back up what they put there for futures. They are minus 155 on the money line. Roma plus 425. I know where coach's money is going this week. Draws plus 310. And on the uh, two-way money line, draw no bet. Inter is almost minus 400 at Roma, plus 285. So what do you think about that spread there? Should Inter be that big of a favorite? I do. Um, just based off the fact they're at home, Roma hasn't beaten them. Uh, they've had some draws, but they haven't beaten them. I think I just look back at the past five seasons, uh, at, at least as far as 2018. So that, that says a lot about it. You know, we, we know Roma has struggled against top sides prior to this season. That has improved with the wins over Atalanta recently and, and the Lazio win, but those teams aren't on the same level as Inter, especially at the San Siro. So uh, not surprised. 425 is maybe a little higher than I expected for Roma, considering their form, but I, yeah. I, I'm not surprised Inter's minus 155 at home. All right, and then looking, um, also should have just mentioned on the goal line spread, Roma getting half a goal plus 155. So that's definitely where coach's money is going. Yeah. I, I actually like to draw no bet because if you're, <laughs> you're, you know, I guess the, the plus 0.5 helps you, you know, if you're, yeah, you turn a draw, that into a win, you turn the draw into a win, but even the draw no bet at plus 285 is very tempting considering Roma's in decent form. Then, you know, I could see them getting a draw. Do they win this match? I wouldn't put my money on the money line. Uh, I don't expect them to win this match. I'd be very surprised if they do. All I'd right. be ecstatic if they do, but uh, I wouldn't risk money on it. And then taking a look at the, what to expect in terms of goals over is two and a half goals. Uh, the over is minus 135, the under plus 115. And then looking at both teams to score, yes, minus 150, no, plus 115. So goals, 
to be expected. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. And Nick, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit too. It, it does seem like they do expect goals here, but when you're looking at you know some of the top scorers, what their props are for them to score, you know, we got Lartoro and Jekko at plus one thirty, but then Tammy is plus two thirty, Pellegrini plus three thirty, three thirty. I know you're looking at some others that were just like way above that. Even it seems kind of weird that the prop values are so high when they're clearly expecting goals. So like, where else would these goals be coming I, from? So I've I've never seen a game as high profile as this with, with odds. So outrageous for players to score. I, I mean, I'm, you know, we say it all the time. I don't typically advocate for that type of bet, but this is one of those games where I'm picking one or two players and you gotta, you gotta throw something on some. Yeah. I don't guys. see how you don't throw money on Tammy right now. It, I was going to say, you really expect Roman to score. Like that's the to. guy. And I didn't look at it, but definitely to, to score or assist something along those lines, you know, Pellegrini, Mkhitaryan, Steve highlighted him. Um, I'm sure he's right around that 300 or 400 um, probably to score a goal. But even some of these other guys in the midfield on defense, six, seven, plus a thousand, plus 1200, um, you know, look at somebody, I won't, we'll never bet him, but somebody like a smalling who is the threat off of a corner kick or something like that. All those um, center backs in this match, all th- six you of know, them. take a look at all of these center backs, take a look at the guys who are, who are doing the, free kick taking. So that's why I like Pellegrini in this case. Um, there's a shitload of value. And I, I definitely didn't expect it where, where the over is, is still, um, you know, minus one thirty-five. Yeah. The, the over under two to me is iffy in this one, because both these teams we highlighted have been playing much better defense lately. So I could see this being a one, one draw. I could see somebody eking out a, a two, nothing or a one, nothing with like a second goal coming late, but I could also see a two, one playing out. So the, the over under is a little, little dicey here. Maybe both teams to score might be a better option. Yeah. Um, and to speak to your, to your point on potentially a draw inter are undefeated in 31 of their last 33 home matches. So only two losses there Roma undefeated in their last 12 league matches. So there's a lot of momentum and neither of these teams have really lost a match in a while. So it could be something where it's just, Hey, like we play to a draw, you know, inter gets what they need because you know, it's one of their probably last big matches in the, in the final yep. five weeks. And Roma stays in the, the hunt for Champions League. Man, my Roma plus half a goal, plus yeah. 155. That, that's the play. And uh, here. interesting stat in terms of the, the draw uh, possibility here is that, you know, I mentioned Roma fell behind early in, in the other two intermatches. What they've been doing so well in this 12-match streak is even if they've conceded early and fallen behind, they've come back in six of the 12 matches uh, after the 80th minute to get a result, either right. a win or a draw. So you think about half of those matches, they've scored in the 80th minute or later, including this one that El Shirari scored in the 91st. You know, we've seen them score two goals after the 80th, I think, against Hellas. So, you yeah, know, they, that's, they, a, they, that's they, another they prop we're looking ways, at you know. then, right? Will there be a goal in the last 15 minutes of the game or last 30 minutes of the game, something like that? I like it. All right, that's going to wrap up our preview of that game. Let's finish it off with our hat trick of picks. Scotty, who do you got on the money line? Yeah, so in case you missed it at the top of the episode, I'm going to remind you again, I am the coldest gambler that there is right now. So feel free to fade all of these. Um, but I will say, I mean, the Premier League in the recent weeks has just been crazy. Um, nothing really makes sense, so I don't feel so bad. Um, this week, my money line, I'm taking Burnley, draw no bet. They're minus 105 home versus Southampton. Um, Southampton lost 6-0 to Chelsea a week and a half ago, but then beat Arsenal one nothing the next week. And then Arsenal then goes and beats Chelsea four to two, three days after that. 
So none of this really makes sense. I mean, you, you look at a team that got smoked one week by Chelsea, then beats Arsenal, but then Arsenal goes, everything's up in the air. So I think you're fine putting money on, on pretty much either team draw no bet here, but for me, Burnley at home, they've been resurgent. They're having a, a pretty strong uh, second half of their campaign. I'm going to ride the wave with them. Draw no bet. I like it. Coach, what do you got? So money line, I'm going to Fiorentina uh, at Salernitana. Minus 155, not the greatest odds, but, uh, you know, Salernitana has been a little better trying to fight relegation, but Fiorentina is a team in the same kind of position as Roma, not so much in the Champions League hunt, but the Europa League hunt, which would be a, a big season for them considering where they've been the past few years in the bottom half of the table. Uh, I expect them to get the win against Salernitana and with the chance to make up ground, like you mentioned, on Roma, possibly uh, with that tough match that they have. We'll caution you, Salernitana has won two out of three, I believe. They, they just beat Udinese at the same exact odds that I took those friggin' bums. But Fiorentina is <laughs> a much better team, so I like that pick. And then for my money line, I'm getting a little creative. I'm actually going to do a first-half money line, and I'm taking Liverpool minus 185 against Everton. Liverpool's cruising. They're going to get up for the Derby. I expect a super-fast start, and I'm willing to lay just about two to one to hit it. So this is going to be one of those no-doubters. Thank me later. Enjoy the second half. Yeah, I would love that to be the case. I mean, nothing would make me happier than all the Everton fans leaving Anfield at halftime. So it would be great. Okay. Um, moving on I to mean, mine. Could oh, this be ahead. the most one-sided Merseyside derby uh, like ever in your time as a fan, Scott? It's possible. Um, I, I, the, the thing that I struggle with is they just finished their, their nine to nothing, you know, two-legged league sweep of Manchester United and having another one of those type of defeats of, of Everton would be like almost too good to, to believe, but um, it's certainly possible. Everton have been very lackluster and, and stagnant under Lampard. A lot of people are blaming my boy um, Rafa Benitez for their poor performance this season when yeah, Lampard's ruins clubs borderline worse. So it's like, uh, I don't really know. Uh, I don't think you can blame the managers at this point. I think it's just a really poorly constructed team that has no will to win. Um, moving on to totals. Uh, so the total I like in this weekend, uh, Chelsea versus West Ham over two and a half. It's minus 115. Chelsea's defense has been bad. Um, I wrote this, you know, Colts, we had a nice parlay this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I made this pick before the, uh, they played Arsenal yesterday. Um, last five Chelsea Maverick, uh, matches have averaged over four goals per game. Most of that because their defense has been terrible. Then they just had a six goal game against Arsenal. So, that only backs us up even more. Um, Reese James is healthy. Timo Werner has really figured things out. He's scoring goals now when he yeah. hasn't scored for them in a year and a half. Um, so there's a little bit more of an offensive punch there. West Ham offense is getting back rolling again. Jared Bowen is back. He was injured for a few weeks, came back in early April, seems to be clicking on all cylinders now. I, I think you can easily see both teams scoring multiple goals in this game. Um, I'm not sure who wins. Uh, Chelsea's been pretty bad. So staying away from trying to pick the winner, just know that there's probably going to be goals in this game over two and a half should be pretty easy. Love it. All right. I'm going uh, again or to the match of the team that is banned from the bet slip money line, which is Juve, but I'm going with uh, the over in this match. Uh, and here's, they're, they're, here's they're, they're banned from all bets. They all right, but here's why fine. Then, then say I'm putting the money on Sassuolo then because uh, Sassuolo has had a knack for really taking it to the big sides this season. We know that Domenico Berardi, has played really well against big sides. Giacomo Raspadori has been linked with Juve as a possible Dybala replacement. Uh, even came out in the press with something like, you know, I have the Champions League mentality, something like that. So 
I expect those type of players to be very motivated. Uh, the the Raspadores of the world for a potential move for Ardy, just because he always plays with a chip on his shoulder against the big sides. Uh, and Juve, like we said, they, they've been giving up goals to Bologna, who doesn't score for shit, right? They gave up, I think, two the week before to Cagliari and had to come back. Cagliari is not very good. They're fighting relegation. So I, I expect some goals, and I'm hoping it's a 2-1 Sassuolo win, honestly. 3 nothing Sassuolo win to get that. All right. If um, it doesn't hit, two and a half. you have to lead the charge on Twitter that they are banned from the bet slip and that you made a mistake. I will be screenshotting the text that Coach sends the group chat begging for the third and final goal in this match when it's like the 60th minute and then it doesn't happen. Never (laughs) comes. Yep. Facts. All right. Well, I'm going back to our featured game here into Roma over two and a half. It's minus 145 um, or minus 135. Excuse me. Um, You know, listen, both teams need it. I think Roma has been on fire. Inter starting to find the touch. I think two one is kind of the minimum of what happens this game. You guys were talking about the draw. Maybe it's two, two, maybe it's three, three but I think we get to three goals in this one. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, My prop, I was going to – I'm thinking Tammy is now a pretty good prop pick there, but um, I wrote something else down, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, Newcastle first to five corners versus Norwich. Uh, We talked about Norwich being the worst offensive team in the league by far. They just happened to score two goals against Manchester United on the previous weekend. I don't expect a similar performance from them. Newcastle have been clicking. um, Super hot, super hot. Uh, So I – I don't see any way that they don't get to five corners. Uh, should be a pretty easy, easy uh, prop pick for me. Uh, lock that one in. I love that. I'm going to cut in front of you, coach, just because I also have taken a corner bet for my prop. Uh, I think we're about 0 and 15 on the podcast with corners, but this is the <laughs> corners week. are got all around. <laughs> Scotty and I are both going to hit. I am taking Fiorentina team total corners over five and a half. I'm piggybacking off of Steve's game. It's minus 135. Um, this is the corner prop that's going to hit. It's going to be a drive-by. Fiorentina should get 15 looks on goal, if not more. So no way that they don't get to six corners. You could book that. Scott, are you ready for the group text from Nick? Five <laughs> corners. It's like the 89th minute. Fiorentina. We We're screenshotting all of these. And it's all right. offside, and the corner gets called back, and then Nick. Nick what's what's much more it. likely is they get like four corners in the first half, and then never get two <laughs> yeah. in the rest of the game. And, the, and they, yeah, they they just stop pressing forward because they're up three nothing or something. I do need to correct the record. I did win a corner pick about a month and a half ago. It was when Spurs played City and beat City. I took Spurs to have the last corner kick of the game. Which there they you did. go. So I do have at least one corner win in my back pocket. Love it. All right. I'm going with something I've, I've never tried before in my, my prop pick and it's last goal Roma plus plus one ninety in that match. They've, like I mentioned, they've scored six times in the last uh, 10 minutes of the match in, in this 12 match unbeaten streak. It might not be a winning goal. It might not even be a drawing goal, but I feel like they'll keep pressing uh, unless t- somehow they go up two or three, nothing in this match, which is un- would be unexpected. I expect them to be the team having to find the goal late. And I'm, I'm going to go with it and hope that they can continue their good run of form. And, and hopefully, hopefully it's a winner. Hit the, hopefully, hopefully it's a winner. Hit the over. Hit the, the over and a 2-1 victory, Nick. How about that? There you go. It's also great because it's a bet that hasn't lost until the whistle is over. Yeah. The whistle blows. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. true. You could be down 3 nothing and get a get a garbage yeah. time goal, right? And it still wins. Great. Love it. All right. So I think that wraps up our, our episode, guys. Uh, we'll see if corner props work out. We'll see how this match plays out hopefully for my uh my sake roma gets a win and and then even for the juve band aspect if juve slips up against that swollen roma wins it could be a nervy last week for, uh, month for them instead yeah same it could really be similar to the premier league race for the top four so we'll see how things play out 
Yeah, and stay tuned. Next week, we'll be dropping our Champions League semifinals previews. It'll be out early next week before the games start. So keep an eye on that. Um, And subscribe, rate, and review if you like what you listen to. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.